Hello and welcome to The Pactum. I'm Pat Abendroth, and today we're talking about human sexuality. But I should first say that if you sense a disturbance in the Pactum verse, it's because we're not in our normal studio and I'm not with Mike Grimes. And yet it's not a Lone Ranger episode because I have a special guest. Today's Pactum guest is the author of an important resource called the New Reformation Catechism on Human Sexuality. That means that today's guest is also the host of Abounding Grace Radio and the senior minister of the Escondido United Reformed Church. Our guest is Chris Gordon. Hi, Chris, and welcome to the Pactum. Hey, Pat. Great to be with you. Well, Chris, my first question for you is, is it true that you are also a Hollywood actor? <laughs> Who said that? <laughs> Who, well, acor- according to uh, the interwebs, uh, you were in Rise and Fall of the Planet of the Apes, 2011, Mission Impossible, Fallout, 2018, <laughs> and Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation, 2015. Yeah, I, th- I think there's a few names Chris Gordon floating around out How there. How do you I don't, do I don't all have, that you do? I don't want to have any identification with that. So I wonder if they <laughs> sometimes wonder if that Chris Gordon is a pastor. He's not a pastor. Okay. You want to stay away from that, Chris Gordon? <laughs> well, I just, you know, checking. I, I try to maybe set it up and say, I talked to my daughter on my way here, and I told her I was interviewing Chris Gordon, and she said, oh, I like Fallout better than Rogue Nation. But Yeah, I, I mean— my dad was called Flash Gordon. I don't oh, know that, that I kind of like that. Yeah, that's good. He I wasn't. That. He wasn't really Flash. So okay, let's talk first about Abounding Grace Radio. What's that all about? How long have you been doing it? What's its right. aim? I want people to get to know you. Sure. Um, thanks for the question. Yeah, when I was up in Linden, Washington, um, my first charge around 2005. I um, I always had an interest in doing radio. I I, I still thought. You know, people get in their cars. They still do radio. They right. still listen. They're going to have to. And um, I don't know. Reformed radio is – there, there hasn't been a lot of it okay. over the years. You know, there, there, have, been, there have been good programs. Sure. You know, I, I know R.C. Sproul had one. But by and large, on, on you turn on the radio and you get your average heretic every day. Sure. There's not, <laughs> so, a, there's not a lot on K-Love. Yeah. Uh, so I went, to, I went to my elder body and I said, listen, are you guys interested in – Yeah, I mean, finding out what it would be like just to um, – to air sermons, okay. you know, start there. And um, they said, sure, why don't you, why don't you go explore it? So we ended up, we called it Abounding Grace. I have a good friend, uh, Andy Froilin, who used to do all the production, even for Calvary Chapel down here in Southern California. He's, he does radio production to this day. I see. So he walked me through how to do all of this. Okay. You know, I was, uh, you know, this feels so overwhelming. So what happened was we ended up in between the infomercials Saturday morning, 7.30. You know, okay. we started there. Right. And we'd, we'd throw sermons on the air, and, and uh, he showed me how to edit and, and do all that. And, and so we had good response, ironically, okay. in, in between, you know, the Tide commercials or whatever it was. And uh, we had people show up from church. So it kind of garnered some interest in the church to say, hey, you know, radio's kind of working here. Sure. Um, it's, a, it's a small effort to try to reach the community locally. Uh-huh. So after some time, we approached Cary Radio, which was 5.50 a.m. up there, and it went right into Vancouver, B.C., which, you know, a huge population base mm-hmm. was just 7 million people. And, um, and, and Canada has strict regulation for religious broadcasting. It has to be equally represented. That's fascinating. Yeah, I hadn't so, thought about that. So, you know, this, this radio station broadcasted right in there. So they, it was a great opportunity. And they, they gave us a 15-minute slot at like 8.15 to 8.30 mm-hmm. every morning. So we did a daily. Okay. And it gave me opportunity to kind of develop as a preacher, I think, to, to sit in front of the microphone and extemporaneously 
sure. every day. Uh-huh. Have to be focused. Ministers aren't always focused as they should be. Focused and then do 10, 11-minute teachings and then advertisements. So we did that for a long time, had good response. And then after a while, it went to a board that the elders didn't want to kind of – it's just a lot of work on top of what they had to do. So right. we put together a board of directors of reform, reform people who are very committed to the, the reforms of unity and had good oversight. So we didn't want to just be a parachurch organization disconnected from mm-hmm. the local church. So anyways um, – we sort of expanded from there. We, we were in Vancouver. We've been kind of all over the map. We've been in Portland, Denver. Um, we're down here in San Diego or in Central California. We've been in Michigan, various places, U.S., Canada, and Africa out of Zambia, which okay. is a wonderful opportunity. And um, the goal of it was kind of twofold. Um, the board wanted to um, provide sound teaching for Christians um, to hear good reform teaching mm-hmm. on the airwaves. But also it had the goal to so edify Christians understand what preaching Christ, preaching through the books of the Bible sounded like, (laughs) and then also to hopefully reach people who have not heard. And so um, we've kind of maintained that twofold mission and it's a small effort. I've never wanted it to get too big. Okay. I don't, I don't, not interested in that because I don't, I'm a firm believer in the work of the local pastorate, local church, focusing on the people Mm -hmm. here. So um, I'm happy where it is. I don't, I don't want to keep building, growing, great, 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 you know. Chris, one thing I really appreciate about it is that it's biblical exposition, by and large, from what I've listened to. You're doing expository preaching, and yet it's theologically sound, and that's not the case all the time. It sounds weird uh, because it is weird. How can you do expository preaching, but it's theologically unsound? Oh, it can be done. Uh, (laughs) In fact, I think it can be be done. (laughs) Right? It can be one of the more harmful things because you think it's coming right from the Bible, and yet it's... It's wacky. So I really like your preaching for that reason. I really like it, uh, Bound and Grace Radio for that reason. And Pactum Verse listeners, I would commend it to you because there's there's good backbone to the whole thing. So I appreciate it. Well, thanks for the encouragement, brother. Yep. So let's talk about the catechism. Uh, you holding your hand over there, the catechism. And uh, I think before we get into the sexuality side of things, some of our listeners, when they hear the word catechism, they might not know what it means. Uh, they might have a bad feeling or they might know what it means. But maybe talk us, talk through a little bit about what catechisms are um, for people who don't know. Right. Very good question. You're right. There's sort of that, that. Why does that term have so much baggage with it in our day? It just seems to have baggage, doesn't it? It does. Um, and I was I was catechized in a church that didn't preach Christ or the gospel. I learned things. Yeah. So for me, at least at first in my young Christian life, I thought, oh, whatever, I, whatever, whenever someone promotes a catechism, I'm going to run. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, and, you know, and the irony to that is we're being catechized daily by the culture with all kinds mm. of ideas. Great point. That are being thrown at us and our children. And because we don't call it catechism, we don't think that's happening. <laughs> catechism is a way of instructing people to help understand ideas and truths, and in this case, the Christian faith. Yes, so, good. Um, when that, when Protestant churches see, I think a lot of people associate catechisms with something as being Roman Catholic, mm-hmm. and um, Catholics wrote catechisms in response to the Reformation. Um, Fascinating. Yeah, putting out uh, these things because all these people were given back the Bible, mm-hmm. and these were summary truths that were put down for people in a helpful way to help summarize the core truths of scripture. Good. That's a good way to put it. That's clear. Yeah. So a confession, you know, a confession gave confessional like statements around major 
what we call loci, major doctrines of the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. Catechisms were put in question answer format to help, you know, children, those new to a faith, but also, also people who, um, are well instructed to continue to be well instructed and keep the truths of the Christian faith in front of you. And we've always felt that you do this, I'm sure in your preaching brother, you ask questions, rhetorical questions, and right. that, that's a it's great engaging. didactic tool, yeah. right? Catechisms ask important questions and give answers. And we still think and believe to this day, that's an effective way of, of teaching and training. Absolutely. So what led, what led you to write this particular catechism dealing with human sexuality of all things? Yeah, I'm crazy. <laughs> um, Fair enough. Uh, you know, why did I do this? There's a lot. There's some background reasons to this. We had we had we had challenges. You know, uh, church life where you see a lot of our people are being crushed by the new se- sexual revolution. Mm-hmm. We're all being affected by this. Mm-hmm. Nobody can run from this. And uh, I, you know, I I thought, well, am I really the one to try to do this? I don't think I'm an expert. Any means on human sexuality, um, but you're not even a biologist. I'm not even. A, can you believe that? Um, and I still can define what a woman is. You know? um, but we digress. <laughs> yeah, maybe we can send this to the new Supreme Court. Yeah. But anyways, um, I'm sure they're packed in listeners, yeah. or they should be. Uh, so you know, Rosaria Butterfield was a great encouragement. We brought her out for a Bounding Grace conference a few years ago, and uh, we have Christopher Yuan in the church here. He has mm-hmm. a great story. He's written a book, Holy Sexuality. If you don't know his story, it's an amazing. Story. Story. They're they're good friends, you know. So so I, I I saw these things happening, and I see how we're being affected. I thought there's no there's no resource. Okay, we have books, we have books written on this, but you know, a lot, let's let's face it. I, how much is your church library being checked out today? You right. Know? So there are good books. There are good books, yep. but are Christians reading them? Right. And 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 some some are. Mm-hmm. You know, some are taking the time, but I don't think we're in a very uh, time and church culture where books are cherished like they used to be. But anyway, so I thought, you know, we don't have anything that are given confessional-like statements, catechisms to help bring families together, bring study groups together, bring Bible studies, church groups, maybe even preaching series Mm -hmm. around something like this. And so I thought this might be an effective way, at least to attempt to try to do this. So I threw it by Scott Clark and I said, hey, what do you think about you know, writing a catechism on human sexuality. And, he, you know, there's always been this idea, well, you can't write new catechisms, uh-huh. you know? Yes. Um, and I, I want to make clear up front, this is not an authoritative church approved catechism. Well, and why, and, why do you want to be clear on that? Because that's important. Um, we have creeds and confessions in churches that are for official use that are adopted in a churchly manner. Mm-hmm. Um, for authoritative use in churches that protects the doctrine of yep. the church. Good. And there's books that we write as ministers. There's, there's pastors that write books. There's theologians that write mm-hmm. books that are very helpful to the church. Um, but this, doesn't, this has not been approved by a major church body. So it doesn't have that 1563 Ursinus, you know, adopted by the Reformed Church's authority. Yes, so it has your name on it. It has my name on it. Yes. It could be at some point Mm -hmm. if a church wanted to do that. But this is a pastoral catechism. And I make the point in the preface that pastors regularly did this in the 16th and 17th centuries. They wrote catechisms. They wrote catechisms to help their people with the issues of the day. Mm -hmm. They went further than the officially approved catechisms to help people deal with particular issues with more clarity on issues that weren't addressed there. And look what we're going through. We're going through a huge 
yeah. sexual revolution. Is- issues need to be addressed. They need to be addressed. And yeah. that's, that's why I wrote it to try to help bring families together. Say, okay, you know, we have a few question answers here. Let's get around the table and discuss this with our children. What a great way to do it. Okay. So intended use is going to be family. Also, you sure. mentioned it could Schools. be a sermon. Okay. Yeah. Schools, um, you know, I, I have a homeschooling group that already reached out and wants to incorporate this into the whole unit, the could, whole group. Could be a Sunday school class. Sunday school class. So let's say I'm a 16-year-old boy, right? I have a 16-year-old son. So how would he use it? Right. Good question. Um, well, I think, uh, you know, when we when we were putting it together, there's a whole section here on marriage. There's mm-hmm. a whole section on – I have questions here on singles. Mm-hmm. And and what to do is I'm I'm waiting for the spouse that God prepares for me. I see. How am I to maintain my sexual purity as a young man in this culture where pornography is bearing down on me? And let's face it, our kids are exposed to it. Come right. on, you know they're carrying around phones. Parents need to do a good job. This is addressed in there of overseeing that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so our kids are facing so much coming at them on this front. Our young men. Are, are need to be protected and helped so that the guilt and shame of this great problem does not crush them and that they understand there's forgiveness for this issue and that they need to strive themselves to not fall into these problems. The catechism addresses all that. Excellent. I brought up the 15-year-old as an example because this is actually for anybody, right? This could yeah. be for young, old, men, women. Yeah, pornography is not just a 15-year-old problem. Right. I right. mean, there's every all these issues touch every age. Yes. Of yeah. Life. Absolutely. So I think it's actually good that anyone could use it. It's for young and old. It's very accessible, very readable. So I appreciate that. I also appreciate the fact that Chris, it's warm spirited. From the very get go, when I started reading it, I thought, you know what, this is not uh, harsh. It's not con- condemnatory. I think it might even encourage our listeners to have you maybe read the first two questions and answers. Sure. If you do that, it would give a good flavor of what it sounds like. Yeah, just to say up front, Rosaria wrote the foreword, and she gave a really good little foreword to the book, and that I'm so thankful she did that. You yes. know, really, really helps. But um, introduction, why is it comforting? Now, now, this is based on the Heidelberg Catechism of 1563. So what I did in writing it was say I want to have trigger language that helps us to – for those who are more familiar mm-hmm. with the Heidelberg Catechism, that, that there's some familiar themes in the structure here. So – the introduction does the same thing as the original Heidelberg Catechism. It summarizes the whole catechism, yes. the theme, the direction of it. And then in the second question, it, it does the same thing that the Heidelberg, the original Heidelberg does and asks, what three things must I know, you know, um, mm-hmm. to live and die? The original says to live and die in the joy of this comfort, you know, gospel. And this one is dealing with Three things must I know about my human sexuality, you know, and um, and my new identity in Christ. But backing up, yep. why is it comforting that we have a new identity in Jesus Christ? I'm being remade into the image of Christ to have a true identity in body and soul throughout the whole course of my life to enjoy God and glorify Him forever. I wanted to give a little, you know, touch to the to Westminster Confession. Um, <laughs> Very accommodating of you. <laughs> he redeemed my life with the precious blood of His Son and has delivered me from the lie of Satan in the garden. That's a huge theme for what we're dealing with today. Mm-hmm. Uh, the lie. What is the lie? He also watches over me in such a way that He might free me 
from all sexual impurity as the temple of his indwelling. In fact, all things must work together to remake me into the image of his son. Because I have this new identity, Christ by his Holy Spirit also assures me of God's steadfast love and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to enjoy true freedom as a new creation. We're dealing with the main theme of identity, comfort in our new identity. And that has everything to do with the issue of human sexuality. In yes. the first, first question yep. answer. You know, union with Christ. Yeah, I think it's, it's excellent. So yeah. is, that, is that the first one or the second? That's the first one. Okay. Do the next one as well, if you would. What must I know about human sexuality and my new identity in Christ? Three things. First, how great my unholy desires and sexual sins are. That's important because all the problems we're having with regard to this issue are people justifying desires mm-hmm. that come out of the heart. And Christianity has a good answer to that problem. Yep, you know? absolutely. Uh, second, how I'm set free from bondage to my holy desires and sexual sins. That's Romans 6, right? You're no longer a slave to these things. In, in Christ, yes. Yeah. And it doesn't mean we, the presence of sin, it still remains. Mm-hmm. We're still in the fight, but the bondage, the dominion has been shattered, right? Mm-hmm. Third, how I'm to lead a thankful life of sexual purity in union with Christ. I think it's outstanding. It's warm. It draws me in. It makes me want to keep reading. Uh, it gives the 30,000-foot 30, view. Yeah, you know, and, and since you mentioned the Supreme Court issue, the third question is, how many sexes did God make at creation? <laughs> Go ahead and read yeah. it. God made two sexes at creation. Then I quote Genesis. In the image of God, he created them male and female. Hmm. He created them. You know, when I originally passed this by a few friends and scholars and Bob Godfrey, he couldn't believe. Is, is it, that's the place where we are today, that we have to ask, how many sexes we are, did God absolutely. make? Isn't that something? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, I, that a catechism would have to ask that simple question. And that's what people need instruction on today. They do. So that's kind of the warm side of it. I'd like you to read another section because it, we, I want people to get a flavor for the firmness of it as well. So question 32 uh, regarding things like pornography. If you would read that and make some comments as you go, I think we kind of see the, the, the firmness of it as well. Why is pornography so destructive? Um, Because the use of such images, and I I go through a series of things that people don't think about of what um, pornography um, does, what it accomplishes. And I think, listen, we have to be honest and open in talking to our children and talking to our, as pastors, you know, this is the kind of stuff that the culture bears down on us with, but we're, it's like taboo subjects for us. Yes. But, you know, I I mean, listen, there's all kinds of imagery being thrown at us. And, and we have to be willing to talk about these things and help people through. So what does it accomplish? Why is it so bad? Well, it, it ruins the sexual intimacy intended for marriage. God gave us a place for this to be enjoyed. Indeed. You yes. Know? yes. Um, second, it supports idolatry in the worship of the creature. It's a Romans 1 problem where we're taking something, taking desires, and we're worshiping the creature serving and bowing down through pornography to the creature rather than giving glory to the creator. Um, It dehumanizes men and women promoting abuse, especially of women. And I think that's important to say in our day where, you know, we're in a very abuse sensitive culture and there is a lot of abuse. We can't, we can't just throw that aside. Um, What are the root causes? Our culture says, well, we're all against abuse and Mm -hmm. let they, yet what do they do to stop this problem of pornography? They they, they do nothing. The channels are wide open for everyone. Well, if you want to stop abuse, you know, go after the root problem here, but the, the, you know, in society, now I'm not talking, that's the heart. We'll get, you get there, but that's what it does. It promotes 
that dehumanizing of people. Isn't that a big issue today that we're, people are talking about? It advances other forms of sexual impurity, creates idleness in society and to the harm of our neighbors. You know, people sit around doing this don't, aren't productive people uh-huh. and uh, degrades the mind into darkness. So, I mean, that's, that's a dark path to walk. And, and listen, um, there's great grace for people. That's what the gospel is announcing. I like I like getting a flavor for both things. It's very kind and gracious, but also firm and clear, and you don't dance around issues. So it's it's very very well done in that sense. Chris, maybe help our listeners to have a better grasp on how they can relate to people who are enslaved to sexual sins. Do we avoid them? Do we affirm them? How, how do we talk to our neighbor who is married to a man and he's a man? Yeah. Um, We are struggling as Christians with how to maneuver and how to do this. And I think you might have some good insight. That's such an important question. Uh, You know, I think first off um, that Paul makes a distinction in first Corinthians five, right? If you have believers who are justifying sin and saying, I can do these things. Yes. That's a whole different kind of thing. Then we have discipline and then we have... Yeah, we have a way to handle that. Yes. And Paul says there is a breaking of fellowship there if you have uh, somebody who claims to be a believer. Yes. And then openly says, don't judge me. I'm going to go live however I want to live, right? That's a whole different kind of thing. What you're asking, if I'm getting it right, is, is what about... Listen, we're in this culture now where, you know, this is so common. You know, we're coming across it left and right. And we haven't been so helpful as a Christian community on this point to help people with this um, because maybe it's just assumed that we're just all condemning and and we have singled out this sin as the worst sin. Therefore, you know, we don't have much to offer people in this regard. That, that's that's a great issue to take up because right. because we're not doing church discipline on our right neighborhood that's that's first corinthians 5 again right, right. you know right. i tell if i you know i didn't tell you not to eat with you know or else you'd have to go out of the world right absolutely so yep. so you know we're in the world and what is our this doesn't change our mission that that people are stuck in these kind of sins what is our mission <laughs> you know, right. as right. christians absolutely. and as as the church it is to make known the forgiveness of sins and the gospel so i think one of the things i say in the catechism is listen um maybe that's the last question that would i kind of dealt with witness in the last yep, question you did uh how do we love those who live in sexual sin that's the question you're asking well we shouldn't avoid or shun those mastered by sexual sin i just preached you were here this morning on the the parable of the prodigal son what were the pharisees and the tax collectors doing they were shunning they were shunning. Yep. And Jesus is, is there, you know, dining with the prostitutes mm-hmm. for what goal? To call them to repentance, to give them life, yeah, to excellent. forgive their sins, right? Mm-hmm. So, so there's a goal in this. It's, it, it's, it's to tell them good news about how they can be set free. Now, this is, this is hard business. Nobody says this is going to be easy in this culture. But, but notice, we speak the truth. We, all God calls us to do is to tell the truth. He's not telling us to change hearts. That's never been our calling. Yeah, good distinction to make. You speak the truth, and you trust him for the results. They may not like it. Well, that's the whole history of the Christian church. There's right. People don't like what we say. Right. Um, but we speak the truth in love. We're not, we're not jerks about it. Um, we have an aim with it. We have compassion seeing sh- uh, sheep without shepherd. And so we speak about um, 
the truth and love about sexual sin, about repentance, about faith in Christ, basic gospel, same basic gospel themes that we deal with with anyone who's, who's struggling in sin. And we give witness to the deliverance God gave us. I think that's really important because, you know, we have to be willing to say, listen, um, like the demoniac, you know, Jesus told him, go tell others the wonderful things that God has done for you. So, so all right, you know. Sometimes I think with witness, we think we got to go tell everyone the wonderful things God will do for them. <laughs> maybe because, because we, we, don't, should, we don't need it. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe we should start with the wonderful things God has done for us to set us free. Ah, good. And in the deliverance from our own sins. And then we perform acts of kindness, show hospitality. This was Aria's great point. By our godly living, we should seek to win over our neighbors to Christ. You know, so I think it's important to remember the goal of what we're trying to accomplish um, you know, we, we want to see everyone come to know the joy and freedom and the gospel that we have been delivered out of the sin and misery that we chose yeah. that is just as bad. Because we were all dead in trespasses. All of us. Yeah, that's a helpful perspective, and I'm glad you touch on it in there. Chris, I have to be honest with you and tell you that I had a reservation when I saw that this was coming out. Uh, I thought to myself, oh boy, what's this going to be like? It's new. Uh, it's a new catechism. And there are so many landmines. So I felt better after I read it. Um, so, <laughs> you still sound a little hesitant. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those things like, okay, here we go. Just another thing. But I also, and I think maybe our podcast listeners will appreciate this. I also felt better not only af- after reading it, but I saw names like Scott Clark and Robert Godfrey and Carl Truman and David Van Drunen and the list goes on. And I thought that was wise for you to do that. Because there are so many landmines. Yeah, somebody said that. Are you, are you, you realize how many landmines there are in writing something like this? And I, Will this age well, right? Yeah. You, yeah. So good job for consulting friends who are wise. Well, I, I don't, I do not want this to be, I, I, I would have been fine to put my, take my name off this. Sure. I, I don't, it's not about, this is not a standard book that you're trying to go out and write, you know, which can be very helpful for people. Uh, this is a, this is stuff that's could be really offensive to people. I'm not trying to do that. I'm trying to state the biblical truth, but I realize there are a lot of really bright scholars and pastors out there and I'm not working independently. I want to go to the best minds and the best resources and people I trust to have their eyes on it. That was, that was wise of you, right? See what they say and help me. I, 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 Again, this was this was uh, I, I leaned on them. I leaned mm-hmm. on their wisdom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think people will be more likely to pick it up, to read it. Let's be honest. We we have trust in certain people because they have a good track record. Yeah. And so I like it that you name them even in the booklet because it causes people to say, you know what, maybe maybe this is worth reading, and maybe yes, let's always be discerning. But I can maybe let my guard down a little bit, and it caused me to do that. So yeah. I think that was wise of you. Uh, now. I think as we're speaking, people might get the impression impression that this catechism is large, um, that it's heavy, that it's hard, hard copy, hard bound. It's not at all. So just know that it is a booklet. And I don't mean that in a demeaning way, but it's very accessible. How many pages do you suppose it is? I think it's what, 30, 32. Yeah, it's easy, accessible, the kind of thing you could buy 10 of them and share with friends. Where can people get a copy of the new Sure. Um, So we did some initial runs. It was passed out at the GRN 
a national conference a, f- a few weeks ago, and we handed it out here at the Ligonier Conference. But now all distribution and sales will be at Reformation Heritage Books. Okay. Great, great. So if people want to be in contact with you, it's agradio.org. Is that right? Yes. Twitter, agradio1. Instagram, Abounding Grace Radio. Any other ways you want people to reach out to you? That's enough. Uh, (laughs) I was impressed that there actually are ways. I don't even go on Instagram. I don't even know. Somebody set that up a long time ago. I don't think we really engaged that. Okay. Well, it does exist because I checked. Okay. So, Chris, I really appreciate you doing this. Thank you so much. I'm thankful for you and the Lord's work in your life. Thanks, Pat. It was really good to be here. Great. And if you want to be in contact with us on The Pactum, we're on Twitter at The Pactum, on Instagram, The Pactum Theology, and on the web, thepactum.org. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time on The Pactum.